Illegal Matters Antonia rode the bus to work while trying to do her chemistry homework on her phone. When her phone buzzed for the third time, she glanced at the text from her mother. La migra tiene a papá. Her throat tightened. Fear gripped her gut. What would her father do? Who would take care of her mother, brothers, and little sister? She debated getting off the bus and making her way home instead of going to work. Her family lived in Ocean Shores, Washington, three hours from Seattle where she attended university. She called her mother, but it went to voicemail. Antonia shoved the phone into her bag, first checking to see if Ethan, her boyfriend, had texted her. Nothing. She rushed to Jenny Pho, the Vietnamese restaurant where she worked since her freshman year. The September rains had people craving hot soup, and the place was busy, even though it was not yet 6 o'clock p.m. Antonia hung her backpack and jacket in the back room and pulled on an apron over her black jeans and t-shirt, cinching it tight across her tiny waist. Braiding her chocolate-colored hair, she blinked away the tears from her brown eyes and practiced smiling. Nyap walked in and asked, What's wrong? As she piled her backpack on top of Antonia's and reached for an identical apron. Nyap was the same height as Antonia, barely over five feet tall slight and sylph-like with dark brown eyes. Although Nyap was born in the U.S., they shared a bond as daughters of immigrants. How do you know? asked Antonia. Nyap shrugged, then flipped her bangs that kept getting into her eyes, making her ponytail bounce. My father was detained by ice. Nyap hugged her tightly. I'm sorry, are you all right? Antonia shook her head. I don't know what to do. What happens if they send him back? I don't know. Most of the family is here. Antonia sighed and squeezed Neop's arm. Let's get to work. There's nothing I can do right now. For the next four hours, they stuffed spring rolls, chopped jalapenos, and carried trays of steaming bowls of pho to hungry patrons. When Joe, the owner, came in to close at 8.30, Antonia asked to speak privately. Slender and agile, the middle-aged man was kind and supportive. Leading her to his back office, that also doubled as a supply closet, he offered her one of the two folding chairs. How's school? asked Joe, smiling. Are you a doctor now? Are you going to quit? Antonia shook her head and swallowed. I'm not in med school yet. I have two years before I apply. I need your advice. Of course said Joe. Antonia trusted him, an immigrant from Vietnam after the fall of Saigon, who was barely making it with his restaurant. Joe was fair and flexible when they were in exams. How can I help? She told him what she knew. You need a lawyer for your father. We don't have money. Can we get a public defender? Joe shook his head. There are no public defenders for the undocumented in immigration court. You will have to pay for a lawyer. Does your mother have papers? Antonia shook her head. Only twin brothers were born here. Antonia slumped in her chair. This was hopeless. Do you know any lawyers? Joe reached into his back pocket and pulled out a business card from his wallet. The lawyer that helped me get my papers retired, but a lawyer who was here for lunch gave me his card. I'll also give you a couple months advance. Antonia thanked Joe and went to get her backpack. Neop was waiting for her. 
Antonia sat on a chair in the utility room with her head in her hands. Nyap put her hand on her back. I need to get a lawyer, and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. We'll figure it out together. We'll rob a bank. Antonia smiled. She thought Nyap would probably help her rob a bank if she asked. She supported her mother, working two jobs with no benefits while going to school, completing her prerequisite classes one at a time so she could apply to a nursing program. It might be the only way, said Antonia. Let's go. I need to call my mom and find out exactly what happened. Antonia checked her phone during the 20-minute ride home, but Ethan had still not replied to any of her texts. As she approached her stop, she fished out the can of pepper spray she carried everywhere. Then, jumping over puddles, she ran through the light rain to the narrow two-story house where she rented a tiny room in the basement, cheaper than the dorms. She appeared at the entrance, calling, Mr. John? What's the password? A raspy voice came from the dark stairwell under the front steps. Taco Tuesday? Good evening, milady. Antonia sighed in relief. Mr. John was an elderly homeless man that slept at the bottom of the stairs to her room. The owner of the house made sure he had food, blankets, and even medicine, and in return he watched their home. They tried getting him services, but Mr. John refused, claiming the system always screwed the black man. After locking herself in, she flopped on the bed and dialed her mother, who answered at the first ring. Mommy, ¿qué pasó? I'm so worried, mija. Two officers who always sit in their car outside the oyster farm and watch the employees. What officers? The migra. They sit in their car and watch the employees of the oyster farm. Once, they took four workers. This time, they took your father. We had just dropped the twins with Nora, the babysitter. Her husband is the one in jail for hitting her, remember? Mommy, please, just tell me what happened. Oof. You're always in a bad mood. They stopped us. The officers knew our names. After letting Poppy park the truck in a safe place, they handcuffed him and took him away. Mimi and I walked home. Where did they take him? Why now? I don't know, but they're taking workers who never break the law. Que vamos a hacer? Don't worry, Mommy. Joe recommended a lawyer and will give me an advance. Text me if you hear from Poppy. I need to study. Antonia took out a yogurt from the mini-fridge, which, together with a hot plate on top of a file cabinet and a microwave, made up her kitchen. She sat eating at the card table against the wall, piled with books and her laptop. It was tiny, but she had her own bathroom. Antonia reheated black coffee and sat at the kitchen table to study, pushing away the worry for her father. There was nothing she could do for him at the moment, so she immersed herself in her work. Time flew as she fell into a flow when the buzz of her phone interrupted her. It was a text from Ethan. Sent you my essay. Let me know what you think. Shit, she thought. I don't have time. She fought a pang of annoyance. Ethan hadn't answered her texts all day, and now he expected her to help with his homework? She sighed. I'm lucky he's with me. Wasn't love about being there for one another? Exhausted, she reviewed the essay, making corrections as she went. She emailed him the edits, proud about editing a native speaker's paper. Ethan needed her. 
Antonia fell asleep at the kitchen table doing chemistry problems. She awoke at 5 a.m. and was out the door by 5.30. The warmth of the taco truck welcomed her as she rushed into the small space where the owners, Mr. and Mrs. Sanchez, greeted her like always with a hot mug of coffee and a black bean burrito. Stayed up late again? asked Mrs. Sanchez, peering at the deep bags underneath Antonia's eyes. Chemistry test, she answered, not wanting to worry them with her problems. They were also undocumented. One day, you'll be getting up late and going to play golf before you go see your patients, Mrs. Sanchez chuckled, giving Antonia a one-armed hug. Antonia grinned in return and went to work preparing the breakfast burritos. Morning, she said to Mr. Sanchez, the burly man cooking bacon and eggs on the grill. Buenos dias, Antonia. I know you have class, but we need you to stay just five minutes after we close. Antonia nodded, pursing her lips. Damn it, she wouldn't have time to review her notes before class. For the next two hours, she steamed burritos and poured coffee and orange juice for construction workers, baggy-eyed medical personnel, and early bird students. A woman in scrubs returned her burrito to Antonia, complaining. I asked without hot sauce. It's too spicy. No, you said mild salsa. It has mild salsa. Well, this isn't mild. I can't eat this. Antonia took the paper plate, burrito and all, and threw it in the trash. She called out to Mr. Sanchez. Veggie burrito, no salsa, not even mild. Forget it, the woman huffed as she walked away. What's the matter? asked Mrs. Sanchez. Antonia's face burned. This was the third time Senora Sanchez asked. I could have handled that client better. She forced herself to smile and be polite for the rest of her shift. By 8.15, when the food ran out, Mr. Sanchez closed the windows of the taco truck, fished something out of his pocket, and handed it to Antonia. What's this? she asked. We want to help you apply for DACA. But this is too much, said Antonia, holding up the roll of $20 bills. One thousand, specified Mrs. Sanchez. There's enough for you and your sister Lily, explained Mr. Sanchez. Mimi corrected Mrs. Sanchez. Thank you so much, but I can't accept this, Antonia said, trying to return the money. Nonsense, he said, shooing her away. Now go to school so you can cure me of my gout. Antonia hugged them both, her heart bursting. She stuffed the large cash roll in her jeans pocket and left the truck. Tilting her head, she breathed in the cool morning air, scented with pine and seawater, and swore she would never be cranky at work again. The bright blue of the sky contrasted with the green of the pines and the bright yellows and reds of the maples, offering respite from the stream of eternal Seattle gray rainy days. Mid-breath, she remembered her father, and the light feeling vanished, replaced by a heaviness in her heart. She rushed into chemistry class, catching Ethan leaning over the desk and talking to a blonde girl who had been flirting with him since the quarter started. A blush spread across her cheeks, and she forced a smile as she approached. Hi, she said. Ethan quickly stood up straight. Hi, he answered, kissing her on the cheek. A handsome young man with curly brown hair, fine features, and blue eyes, he was different from the other young men. Ethan was a self-proclaimed artist who wrote poetry and short stories, 
rejecting pop culture and anything commercial or made for the masses. She felt special when he included her among his small circle of confidants. When they'd met, he was fascinated with her undocumented status. But Antonia worried he would realize how ordinary she was and would dump her. The blonde girl looked Antonia up and down before turning to the person behind her. Ethan and Antonia took the seats next to her. How was the test? Antonia asked. Shh. Ethan looked around to see if anyone had heard her. I don't want anyone to know I'm repeating calculus. Especially the girl next to you. Antonia assessed the blonde girl's looks from the corner of her eye. She was very pretty. I have bad news about my dad. They stopped him for a traffic stop and immigration has him. Maybe he'll feel guilty for flirting. Antonia, I am sorry about your dad. It sucks. He squeezed her arm. Maybe I can come over after work tonight. Antonia nodded, touched that he cared for her. Everyone flirts, she told herself. But he cares about me and my problems. That's what counts. She took out her notebook and silenced her phone. Ethan leaned over and whispered in her ear. I know you have a lot on your plate right now, but did you review my paper? Yes, I did. I sent it to you at 1 a.m. Thanks. I haven't had time to check my email. The professor started the class. As she walked to her psychology class, Antonia saw a missed call from a number she did not recognize. She checked her voicemail. It was her dad. You need to get a lawyer, Eha. Can you bring your mommy to see me in Portland? Antonia swallowed the lump in her throat that threatened to cut off her breath. With a three-and-a-half-hour bus ride each way, there was no way she would make it back in time for her shift at Jenny Fa. A nagging fear settled among her thoughts. Where was she going to get the money if she didn't work? By mid-afternoon, Antonia and her mother arrived at the detention center. The trip cost a hundred dollars. Antonia was surprised to see protesters surrounding the ice building. Look, she elbowed her mother and pointed at the signs that read, Abolish ice. Her mother peered at her, perplexed. Why are they here? They're here for us, mummy. They're protesting ice. Suddenly, Antonia did not feel so alone. I'm sorry we brought you here. I'm not. I'm glad I'm here and not back with Abuela. There are no schools there, no work either. Mother sighed. What if they put us in prison? At least your brothers were born here. If you marry Ethan, he can make you a citizen. We'll get married. I'll be a doctor and take care of you and the family. Antonia tried to sound more confident than she felt, for mommy, but also for herself. Her mother sighed and squeezed her arm. Sometimes I don't know who you are anymore. I'm still me, mommy. Antonia stopped, searching her mother's face. You have your own home, your ideas. You're more a gringa every day. I wish I was. Then they wouldn't deport us. Her mother gripped her arm and muttered, Tu hija, ni de aquí, ni de allá. They walked into the building, Antonia shaking with every step as sweat pearled on her forehead, her mother looking around like a scared mouse. After going through a metal detector and leaving their bags in a locker, they huddled together in a stark, cold visiting room. Metal tables and chairs reminding them where they were. Spotting her father coming through the door, Antonia waved. Dark circles shadowed his eyes.
Rushing into his arms, she clung to him. Her mother did the same on the other side. All three of them were blinking furiously, trying to hold back their tears. We don't have much time, Antonia said, dabbing at her eyes as she sat back on the bench. Her mother patted her hand gently. Como estas? asked Antonia's mother. I'm okay. Ustedes? father said. We're fine. Antonia's working to get a lawyer. Her mother caressed her father's arm, looking him over. He turned to Antonia. Gracias, hija. When you talk to the lawyer, tell them they caught me trying to come in with a fake green card before we brought you here. Also, they will transfer me to Tacoma soon. Antonia nodded. If only she had her cell phone to write notes. Are they feeding you? Asked her mother, touching his cheek. See, how will you get to work? They both turned to Antonia. I can take you, mummy, she said. I'll drop out. Wait, I can get a ride from Juan Martinez. Stay in school until we know what happens. You mean if they deport me? Asked her father. It won't happen, papi. I have the name of a lawyer. You've never broken the law. It can't happen, right? And the twins were born here, added her mother. He nodded without meeting their eyes. A loud buzzer sounded overhead, making them jump. Father rose and took Antonia's hands. Take care of your mother and your brothers and sister. If I get deported, sell the truck and use the money. Do not come to Mexico. Mayoyes? It is too dangerous for girls there. Yes, papi. I'll take care of everything. Antonia looked down, blinking away tears as her parents held each other and said goodbye. Back on the bus, Antonia smiled as she listened to a message from Ethan, saying how he supported her and all undocumented people. She texted an update to Niap, who had been sending Antonia encouraging emojis throughout the day, and tried to study by reading her phone. The next day, Antonia skipped anthropology class to meet with the lawyer before work. She checked in with the receptionist and waited in a small reception area until a balding, red-headed man came out and extended a small hand in greeting. Miss Cardenas, I am Lee Welch. Antonia shook the outstretched hand as he looked her up and down. Did he hold my hand a little longer than normal? She shrugged it off. He was smiling at her kindly. He probably didn't expect someone so young. Welch was in his early 60s, with a bald crown surrounded by thin, wispy hair stretched in a semicircle from one ear to the other. Freckles covered his face and forehead. He limped a little as he led her into his office, where boxes overflowing with files lined a corner, and a film of plastic still covered the file cabinet. The walls were empty of pictures and decorations, and only a computer adorned the large desk. She slid into a chair in front of his desk, and he sat across from her. Music played from his computer, a man with a deep, raspy voice saying, Hallelujah. Welch silenced the music and smiled. How can I help, Miss Cardenas? Antonia told Welch about her dad. He listened attentively, asking questions and taking notes on a large yellow pad. Your father was caught with a fake green card? Antonia blushed and nodded. He said to tell you he was stopped at the border and sent back. He returned six months later. Welsh frowned. I can take a look at his case, but if ICE detained him before, there might not be anything I can do. Can you pay my retainer? 
How much is it? I will need $10,000 up front, plus costs after that. I know it's a lot of money, but these things are expensive. Antonia bit her lower lip. Where would she get that kind of money? Can we make a payment plan? Welch laughed and stared at her with interest. <laughs> what do you do? I'm a full-time student at UW, and I have two jobs. Whoa, two jobs? And you go to school full-time? Yes, I am majoring in biology, pre-med. I work as a server at a Vietnamese restaurant, and in the morning I work at a burrito and tamal truck. Mm, what kind of tamales? I love Mexican food. They're not your usual tamales. These are Oaxaca-style. They're wrapped in banana leaves with mole sauce stuffed with pork chicken. Well, Antonia, let's meet back here on Friday at four. Bring me a couple of those tamales and I will see what we can do. Antonia asked Niop to accompany her to the appointment on Friday so they could go from there to a party. But secretly, she wanted company, unsure about the lawyer. Welch showed them into his office, and Antonia caught him looking them up and down as they shook off their jackets. She tugged on her short dress, wishing they hadn't come dressed up for the party. We're going to a party on campus, volunteered Antonia, letting him know they weren't dressed up for him. I thought it would cheer her up, added Niop. Welch brought out another chair for Niop and sat behind his desk. He took out a manila folder and tapped it with his fingers. I won't sugarcoat anything. This is a complicated case. Antonia swallowed. But I think I can help. If I'm going to do this, I will need your help. You and I will be meeting a lot. Of course, said Antonia. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm thinking of taking the quarter off so I can have more time to work. You can't do that, said Niop. She turned to Welch. She's the top student in her class. She's going to med school. Looking at Antonia, she said, If you leave now, you'll lose your financial aid. No one is dropping out of school, said Welch. I'm sure we can work something out. Antonia, at what time do you finish at the restaurant? Around 10 or 10.30? Hmm, he said, biting on a pencil's eraser. I'm here nine to five, seven if I have a lot of work. Could you meet at 8.30 in the morning? Antonia shook her head, chewing on her nails. I work at the truck and my first class is at 9.30 a.m. Well, I have a meeting on Tuesdays downtown that ends around nine. She can be here at 9 p.m., said Niop. I can't. Yes, you can. On Tuesdays, I'll clean up the restaurant until your father is free. That way you'll have time to come here and then get home to study. Okay, then, exclaimed Welch enthusiastically. We have a plan. We will need documents, and I'll need to talk to your mother. Antonia left the office full of hope. She took out her phone to order an Uber and swore. Fuck. What? Ethan wants us to go to a poetry reading instead. I guess he forgot about the party. Do you mind? Niop shrugged. We promised a lot of people we would be there. I know, I'm sorry, just this time. Antonia batted her eyes and pouted. Please? Niop laughed. <laughs> Fine, she said, 
But this is the last time. He always does this to you. Not always. I thought you liked him. I did at the beginning when he'd give us rides home after work, but... But what? You always do what he wants. Come on, just this last time, I promise. He's been weird, so this way I'll get to talk to him. Okay, Neop said, giving in. Exhausted and nervous, Tuesday evening, Antonia followed the lawyer through an empty building to his office and sat by his desk. Instead of sitting behind his desk, Welch sat in the chair next to hers. How are you doing? asked Welch. How is school? School's okay. Just okay. Your friend implied you were doing great. Antonia shrugged. The quiet building was unnerving. I study hard, but I'm a little behind with all that's happening. He nodded. So, after talking to your mother on the phone and reviewing your father's case, it will be difficult and a lot of hard work on my part, but I think I can help you. Really? Welch took her hand. Antonia stiffened, but didn't pull it away. I want to help you, but this is not going to be cheap. Antonia pulled her hand away and pushed her chair back. I have 3,000 for your retainer, but... I want to help you and your family, Antonia. But you know better than anyone that a person needs to make a living. If I take on the case, I will be giving up paying clients. Now, if you come after work and help me out here, then I could take on your case and will only charge you the 3000 Help you out? Like file or clean the office? Yeah, something like that, Welch said, putting his hand on her knee. Antonia's face flushed. Welch's slender, delicate fingers, which had never known manual labor, nauseated her. She froze. Welch leaned in to kiss her on the mouth, but she turned her head and he kissed her neck. His lips were dry and hot. He snaked his hand up her thigh. She pushed it away and stood up. Stop, she said. His eyes flashed in anger. I have my period, sorry. She crossed her arms around her chest, her heart beating furiously, avoiding his eyes. His eyes softened. Okay. You know who doesn't have a period? He smiled, unzipping his pants. Come here, you funny little thing. Antonia rode the bus with her arms wrapped around her and the hoodie of her jacket hiding her face. Every time Welch intruded on her thoughts, she visualized the human body and named each bone until she jumped from the bus and marched home, forgetting to take out her pepper spray. She called out for Mr. John, but Ethan answered instead. Hey. Hi, she answered, her face growing hot, grateful for the dark. I've missed you, he said, hugging her as she unlocked the door, then kissing her neck and touching her breast. She pushed his hand away. I'm so tired. I've hardly slept since my dad's arrest. But Ethan was already inside. Antonia bolted to the bathroom without turning on the light. Ethan followed her. How is he? Did you find a lawyer? Antonia locked the bathroom door and leaned against it. I'll be right out. She washed her face and brushed her teeth, followed by mouthwash. 
he can never find out. No one can. When she came out, Ethan put his arms around her and ground his hips into her. Don't you want me anymore? Haven't you missed me? His hands wandered over her back. She wanted to hide her face in his chest and cry, but he'd ask her what was wrong. I have missed you, but you never reply to my texts. But I'm always thinking about you. He looked her in the eye. You're the only one that can get me to sleep. He kissed her on the mouth. I know you're tired, so just help me out. I'll come quick, I promise. He was already zipping down his pants and unbuckling his belt. Antonia knelt in front of him, taking him in her mouth. At least he loves me. The next day, Antonia glanced around the bookstore when they denied her card. Blushing, she scurried away, head bowed, eyes glued to the floor. I need the psychology textbook. Her hands shook as she called her mother. Que paso? answered her mother. Any news from the lawyer? Nothing yet, mummy. Did you take money from my account? I used the card to buy soccer uniforms for your brothers. It was only $85. I was going to buy my textbook with that money, but now I don't have enough. Just go to the library, mija. Antonia bit her tongue. Her mother didn't understand that you couldn't check out textbooks. Mommy, do you have enough now that Poppy can't work? We've never had enough. But we'll get by. I'll deposit some money tomorrow, Mommy. So you buy groceries and pay the bills, okay? Antonia touched the roll of bills Mr. and Mrs. Sanchez had given her. Bueno. Be safe and call me if you hear anything from the lawyer. Antonia sighed and said goodnight. For the first time, Antonia overslept after tossing and turning most of the night. Late to the food truck, she noticed Senora Sanchez glancing at her every few minutes, trying to guess what was wrong. Determined to keep her secret, she left before she could ask, then slept through psychology. Ethan waited for her at the door of their chemistry class. Antonia, I think we should open our relationship. Antonia looked around the busy hallway. Someone jostled her with their backpack. Can we talk about this later? You never have time to talk. You're always working or studying. I'm just tired of this. What do you mean? When you're not working, you're doing homework or going to see your family. I just need to be able to hang out with other people. Heat spread up from her neck to her face. She crossed her arms, hating him, smug and full of himself. You mean other girls? What's wrong with that? I just don't want us to be exclusive, but we'd still be together. Antonia blinked back the tears. I won't let him see me cry. He wants me for sex, but wants to date the blonde. She tried to say something hurtful, clever, but could only think of things in Spanish Ethan couldn't understand. Her body buzzed and her stomach tightened. Gritting her teeth, she sat next to him as the professor started the test. As always, Ethan positioned himself to copy her answers, and she let him cheat as usual. After he turned in his test and strutted out of the classroom, she quickly changed her answers. Thanks, Ethan said when she met him outside. Can I come over tonight so we can finish talking? Before she could reply, the blonde rushed over and kissed Ethan on the cheek. Thanks for letting me copy your test. You're a genius. Yeah, you bet he is.
replied Antonia, walking away. Ethan watched her leave, a puzzled look on his face. The following Tuesday, Antonia waited for her friend, Anai, outside Welch's office. She had asked her to go with her, ostensibly because Anai also needed immigration advice. After 30 minutes had passed with no sign of her friend and no return text, Antonia debated what to do when Welch opened the door of the building. She pretended to be late. He smiled back and stepped aside to let her in. They went to his office and locked the door. Antonia stared at his beer belly in disgust. He immediately pushed her against his office door and put his hand on her breast. She shoved his hand away. Wait, before you do anything, tell me what you have done about my father's case. Come on, show me some appreciation first. He tried to hug her, but Antonia ducked and moved farther away from him. She needed time. Before I do anything, tell me about my father's case. You're feisty today. Well, your father has a hearing next Tuesday afternoon at the Tacoma Detention Center. Do you still want me to be there as his lawyer? Really? This coming Tuesday? Is that good or bad? If he has a lawyer at the hearing, there's a good chance he can get out. But if you no longer need my help, what do I need to do? We need to go to the next level. This is a complicated case. I want to make love to you. Are you committed to seeing this through? He licked his lips and her flesh crawled. I need to buy some time. I'll do what you want, but not here. Welch smiled. I know the perfect place. I'll get us a cabin in Snoqualmie for the weekend. I work on Saturdays. Your father's hearing is the following Tuesday. One night is not that much to ask, is it? Later that night, Antonia researched a free legal agency Anai recommended, but the application for services took a month. Closing her laptop, she put her face in her hands. If they deport my father, we're all screwed. Even working full-time, there wouldn't be enough to support the family, not as long as she didn't have a degree. She'd have to go through with it. Her stomach rolled. Sighing, she opened the laptop and searched for Snoqualmie. The city was 30 miles east of Seattle, nestled in the Cascades. It sat between three forks of the Snoqualmie River and was famous for its waterfalls and being haunted. As Antonia read that Snoqualmie was a known dumping ground for organized crime, and the Green River Killer himself buried five bodies there, an alarm rang in her mind. What if Welch didn't want only sex? She shook her head, smothering the warning blasting inside her. Murders only happened in the movies. I should tell someone, just in case, but who? No one could ever know about what Welch made her do. Antonia clicked on a link to a site called Snoqualmie Strange. The website declared Snoqualmie was a mystical place where magical creatures roamed the woods, traveling through portals to other dimensions. Jim St. James, the author of the site, explained he was the last in a succession of eight wardens who protected Snoqualmie territory and the portals to other worlds. 
There were tabs for reporting strange events, photos of tools the wardens used, and a list of dates when the portals opened, warning visitors to stay away. That's silly. The internet was full of made-up stuff. She closed the website. She looked in the mirror at the dark circles under her eyes and her features, sharper from weight loss. I can do this. I will have sex with that creep and get my father out and never see him again. She opened her psychology book and struggled to read while images of dead bodies distracted her. After work on Wednesday, Antonio and Neop sat drinking bubble tea after cleaning up the restaurant. Making sure Joe and the cook weren't near, Antonia leaned in and whispered, I'm calling in sick on Saturday. Why? Family drama. I'll be sleeping at my mom's. What's wrong? Asked Neop. Nothing. Why? Asked Antonia. I know you. She told Neop about Ethan, but she didn't care about him anymore, or the blonde, or school. She couldn't tell Neop about the lawyer. No one can ever know. Swallowing bile as she chewed on her bottom lip. He deserved it. What? Asked Antonia, puzzled. Ethan, that asshole deserves it. Antonia pushed the intruding images of the lawyer away. I never wanted him to be expelled, just to fail the test. Then why did you write the correct answers off by one? You could have made up random answers and he wouldn't have been caught. Antonia turned scarlet. Oh my God, I feel terrible. Don't, Ethan's a jerk. The restaurant's cook approached, grinning, and placed a large tray of sizzling pot stickers in front of them. Neop thanked him in Vietnamese as he went back to the kitchen. I will never get tired of these, said Neop, pouring sriracha sauce on one of the treats and shoving the whole thing into her mouth. Antonia nodded as she forced one in her mouth and struggled to swallow. I'm sorry you broke up, but you deserve someone better. Antonia didn't answer. I don't deserve anyone. Maybe I'm only good for sex. Nyop squeezed her hand and made a paste with soy sauce and chilies to dunk the remaining pot stickers. It's a good thing you W expelled him, so you don't have to do all his homework. I didn't do all his homework, protested Antonia weakly. When had she turned into a pushover? What had happened to her? Did you talk to your parents about nursing school? She asked, steering the conversation away from her. Yeah, Neop sighed and pushed the plate away. They said there's no way they're letting me move to Spokane to do the program. I'm going to reapply in Seattle. I'm so sorry, Neop. It sounded like it was a perfect opportunity. Neop picked up the plates and, before taking them to the kitchen, said, Sometimes I wish I was like the white girls who can do whatever they want. Antonia sighed in agreement as she wiped down the table. The next day, Antonia was headed into her chemistry class when the blonde girl that had copied Ethan's quiz stopped her at the door. Antonia, can I talk to you for a minute? Antonia stopped and stared at the blonde. I don't want any drama. I just want to know the truth. Did you fail on purpose? No, I passed. After Ethan turned his test in, I corrected my answers. Ethan has always copied my tests. He had just dumped me, apparently for you, 
and I wanted to get back at him. I didn't know you were copying him until after the test. I knew it! He told me how he was always helping you, how you would cheat off his tests, and how he was always saving you. I guess it was the other way around. Yup. Were you also suspended? Yeah, but just for this quarter. I think I'll transfer to another school. Is it also a lie that Ethan hid you from ice? Antonia rolled her eyes. That is so fucking typical. Always pretending to be the hero? Or the misunderstood person too fucking sensitive for this world? Or how he can't stay too long with someone because he's fire and darkness? I kept telling him to pick one, darkness or fire. The blonde laughed. They stood in awkward silence until Antonia said, At least we are rid of him. I need to go to class. Sure, said the blonde. As Antonia headed into the classroom, the blonde called out, Hey, just a heads up, Ethan said he was going to call ice on you. Antonia shook her head. Just what I need. Saturday afternoon, Antonia glared out of the window of Welch's Toyota as he drove east through rain slapping the windshield so hard that it appeared to be rising from the ground. Dark gray clouds hung low on the freeway, snaking through the central Cascade Forest. The radio blasted Leonard Cohen, his growling, bazo voice triggering shivers down her spine. Fuck! First day of fall and it won't stop raining, Lee said as the wipers frantically flew over the windshield, squeaking with each back and forth. It's a good thing the cabin has a fireplace, so we'll be nice and cozy. Antonia bit her lower lip, staring at the road ahead, wishing for an accident to send them flying off the road. Welch put his hand on her knee. The cabin is by the river, and there are no homes in a two-mile radius. I told my mother I was going with a friend to a cabin. She always tracks my phone. Welch seized her phone and threw it out the window, where it smashed into bits and pieces. I don't want your mother ruining our weekend. I'll get you a new one on Sunday. He put his hand on her thigh. Antonia swallowed and fought the urge to swat his hand away as he caressed her thigh every time higher. By the time they reached the cabin, he was stroking her crotch. She scrambled out of the car in front of a wood cottage surrounded by brush and cedars so tall she couldn't see their tops. The river roared nearby. Welch fidgeted with the lockbox and finally flung open the front door. The house was dark and dank. A spider dangled from a web that covered one corner of the room. Welch dropped his bag on the full-sized bed against the wall and pulled out a black see-through bodysuit. Put this on. But it's freezing, said Antonia, holding up the lacy thing with two fingers. I'll get a fire going and get us some drinks. Antonia locked herself in the bathroom, searching for a way to escape. But the window was too small. Her heart pounded. Things were going too fast. She needed to think, but Lee knocked on the door. Can't wait to see you in that thing. Slowly, Antonia took off her clothes and folded them, leaving them in a pile on a stool. After a few tries, she fit into the lingerie, grateful the mirror above the sink was too small to see herself. 
She opened the door and peeked out. Lee was leaning over the table, his finger inside a glass, stirring. He jumped when she closed the bathroom door. Look at you, he said, smiling. You look like a Victoria's Secret model. He rushed over and gave her one of the glasses. Here, it's Malbec. Antonia held the glass, looking for somewhere to place it, but Lee grabbed her hand and pushed the glass to her lips. Don't waste it, it's a $40 bottle. Antonia took a sip of the sour beverage as her stomach contracted. More, he said as she swallowed a big gulp. He turned to the fireplace and Antonia sat in a chair by the table. My feet are freezing, she said as she massaged them, trying to peek into the leather pouch next to the wine. While Welch stoked the fire, she lifted a medicine bottle from the bag. Trazodone. Was this his medication? Had he put it in her wine? The fire crackled. Welch took a rope from his bag. Come here, beautiful. Antonia's heart pounded so hard she prayed for a heart attack, anything to get her out of this. She froze. Welch advanced on her. I just want to play, but I'm not going to hurt you. Antonia's eyes watered and she coughed. Smoke poured from the fireplace, engulfing the small cottage. Welch opened a window. Fuck, the fireplace is plugged, he said as he grabbed a towel and waved it at the smoke. Open the door. Antonia dashed to the door, pulling on the handle, but it wouldn't open. Lee drew a key from his pocket and unlocked it, letting the cold air rush into the room as Antonia stood at the door, gasping. A voice screamed inside her, get out. Lee coughed, holding onto the frame. Suddenly, Antonia bolted toward the river. The soles of her bare feet stung as they trampled over twigs, stones, and pine needles. Stop, cried Lee. Let the smoke dissipate and we can go back inside. But Antonia dashed through the woods, even though the ground shifted and moved like waves. A hammer pounded on her brain, and her legs were slow to respond. She stumbled, but grasped the trunk of a maple to keep from falling. Lee shuffled toward her, favoring his right leg. Antonia tottered. Her legs were stiff, refusing to obey her. I should give up, lay down to sleep. I want it to be over. Her vision doubled as images of her mother and father floated in her mind's eye. What would they do when she was dead? She'd never felt so tired. Trying to push away the wet hair from her eyes, she struggled to raise her hand, which seemed to have weights attached to it. A sharp rock sent shooting pain from her foot up to her hip, dissipating the drowsiness. Her sister's face popped into her mind. Stop, said Welch, gasping for breath. There's nowhere to go. Antonia was almost at the bank, the river's roar like a beacon. Its icy waters promised safety if she could reach it in time. But Lee charged, pushing her forward. She fell on her face, her hand touching the bank. Welch yanked her by the hair. You're coming back to the cabin now. Antonia grasped Lee's hands as he dragged her by the hair five feet away from the bank, then flung her to the ground, his hands on his knees breathing hard. Scrambling to her feet, she lowered her shoulder and pushed with her legs crashing into him.
he plunged into the raging river that swallowed him whole. Spots floated across Antonia's eyes. Then everything went black. Wake up. You need to find shelter or you'll freeze. Antonia opened her eyes. A male figure towered above her, a shadow in the dark. She could only make out his cape. Cowering, she raised her arm to shield her face. Please, don't! I am not here to hurt you. I'm the warden. His voice had an unearthly quality, as if he was speaking to her behind an invisible barrier. Every part of Antonia's body screamed in pain, but the loudest protest came from her foot and scalp. She sat up, and the man took a step back, receding into the shadows. He must be a park ranger, she thought. You should know better than to be out during the equinox, when all forces have equal power. Antonia shook her head. I don't have time for this, she thought, listening for any sound from Welch. Blushing, she crossed her arms, only dressed in the tattered remains of the bodysuit. The warden draped his cape around Antonia's shoulders. It reeked of wood smoke. A cape? Maybe he's into role-playing, she thought. During the equinox, the portals open, so I roam to keep the evil and dangerous creatures from crossing over. You need to find shelter. Antonia stood up, but her legs gave out and she fell to her knees. Is he gone? She asked, peering into the dark woods as the memories flooded back. The man you pushed into the river? A feline-shaped shadow, three times the size of a golden retriever, strolled to the river and growled deeply. Antonia squeezed her eyes and opened them, but the cat-like creature was still there. That is the phantom cougar. She was ready to attack the man when you shoved him. Is he dead? I don't know. He may have been swept through a portal, or could be caught between worlds. Antonia shook her head. I don't understand. What worlds? There are millions of parallel worlds in the Forbidden Forest. This forest has one of many portals which open during sacred times. During the autumn equinox, when all forces are equal, the gateways open. Are you here to help me? I don't help people. Humans are the reason lower, primitive forces, destructive elements, manifest more frequently and powerfully. Pollution and the destruction of nature have weakened the elemental spirits, the river, the trees, the mountains that guard our world. I'm too busy protecting the valley and the portal. But she did, she said, pointing at the cougar by the bank. The phantom cougar protects those pure of heart. But tonight, she returns to her world. We will accompany you back to the cabin, but do not venture into the forest until the morning when the portals close. She limped back to the cabin, the cougar and warden always a few steps behind, melting into the shadows whenever she glanced at them. A wave of nausea overcame her, and she hurled red fluid that left a sour taste in her mouth. Arriving at the cabin, the warden and cougar disappeared. They must have been hallucinations from the drug Welch gave me. The door stood open, allowing the light from inside to spill onto the path. She stopped at the entrance frozen. What if Welch was inside, waiting for her? He could lock her in again.
She pulled out the key from the lock and rushed to the kitchen sink where she drank from the faucet. The water was so cold her teeth ached. Looking around the room, she searched for a way home, cursing because Welch's car keys were in his pocket. His phone was on the table, so she dialed one of the few numbers she knew from memory. Antonia? answered Niap. While waiting for Niap, Antonia picked up every trace she'd left in the cabin and gathered it in a plastic bag, including the torn fragments of the bodysuit. Emptying Lee's bag, three knives, still encased in their protective clear shield, fell on the bed, followed by rolls of duct tape and a small saw. A sobbing fit convulsed her body as she fell to her knees. Gasping, she shifted her weight onto her wounded foot. The searing jolt slapped her back to reality. Get a grip, she said out loud, then took a dish rag and cleaned every surface twice until Neop's headlights shone through the blinds of slats. Once on the road, Antonia told Neop everything that happened with the lawyer, except the part about the warden and the cougar, convinced it was a side effect of the drug. Neop wiped a tear her eyes fixed on the road ahead, nodding her head. Why didn't you tell me anything? You know why, Niop nodded. He looked so normal, you know? Niop's phone buzzed. Fuck, it's my parents. I took the van while they were sleeping. They must be furious. I'm sorry I got you into trouble. Niop squeezed Antonia's hand. I'm not. I'll make something up. At Antonia's house, Neop rolled down the window. It's not your fault. What he did was wrong, and I swear to never say a word. Antonia opened her eyes. Welch was on top of her. She tried to move, but she was bound to the bed. He held up a knife so sharp it sliced the light. This knife is for Mimi. I'll buy new ones for Mommy and Poppy. He took out a serrated dagger the size of his forearm. This one is for you. Antonia awoke screaming. Too shaken to go back to sleep, she paced the kitchen. The next day was her father's hearing and she'd failed him. She grabbed her new phone to call her mother with the bad news and saw 20 missed texts from Niop. Call me. My parents called their immigration lawyer and she will help your father tomorrow for free. Call me so I can give her all the information. Tuesday morning, Antonia and her mother arrived at the Tacoma Detention Center and waited for the lawyer. A few minutes before the hearing, a very slender young woman, wearing a skirt and jacket, ran into the facility. She yelled out, Antonia! and ran to them as they waved at her. So sorry I'm late. So much traffic. I'm Julie French. It's nice to meet you in person. She shook their hands, then opened her briefcase and removed some documents. This should be pretty simple. I'm going to go see him, and we'll talk after the hearing. As the attorney hurried away, Antonia and her mother looked at each other. Do you think she could help us? asked Mommy. God, I hope so, said Antonia, as her stomach churned with hope and worry. A group of detainees dressed in bright orange, women, men, teens, entered and sat in the front row. It was hard to follow what was happening. There were no witnesses, no jury, just burly guards and the judge. The courtroom was packed, and though the judge kept calling order, 
there was a constant hum of human voices and fussy babies. When it was her father's turn, Antonia held her breath and clasped her mother's cold and clammy hand. They strained to make out the words, but couldn't. After a few minutes, Antonia's father returned to his place. At the end of the hearing, Antonia rushed out to find the lawyer, who was smiling. The judge dismissed the charges, said the lawyer. Antonia took her hand and thanked her. Her mother hugged the lawyer, who laughed. She shook their hands and said she was going to go see her next client. They yelled thanks at her as she left the building. Ahora qué? Antonia's mother asked. Let me see. The clerk at the information desk told them to wait until her father was released, warning that it would take some time. Antonia and her mother sat on a hard wooden bench and watched people come and go. Cell phones were not permitted in the center, so they talked about school and work. Maybe things would work out, thought Antonia. Lee's knives flashed before her eyes, and she shuddered. At 5 p.m., an officer asked them to leave because they were closing the courtroom. But we're waiting for my father, said Antonia. Her mother grabbed on tight to her arm. My husband is coming. We wait, yes? Sorry, ma'am, but there's no one left. You have to leave the building. We're closing. But the judge dismissed the charges, said Antonia. They let him go. They said to wait for him. Listen, I'm sorry, but you need to leave. Vamanos, said her mother, pulling her toward the exit. No, I'm not leaving without my father. The guard hesitated. Wait here. Uh, let me see what I can find out. Write your father's name on this pad. Antonia wrote her father's name in a shaky scrawl and then put her arm around her mother as the guard walked away. He came back a few minutes later, a somber look on his face. Miss, I'm very sorry, but your father has been removed. The judge dismissed the charges, but he has been, or is being, deported as we speak. He was taken away in an ice van. Antonia's mother groaned and fell to the floor, wailing. It took all Antonia's strength to remain on her feet. Numb, she mumbled thanks to the guard and helped her mother up, guiding her to the exit. Without her father, it was up to Antonia to care for her family. Let's go home, Mommy. I'm going to teach you how to drive. Antonia spent the night with her family, and before she left for school, slipped her father's obsidian dagger into her backpack. She was sure Welch had drowned in the river, but the ceremonial dagger, once used for human sacrifices in pre-Columbian Mexico, made her feel safe, like a talisman, she thought. The next afternoon, Antonia piled bowls and plates onto her tray when a blonde woman walked into the restaurant, searching the tables. Can I get you a table? She asked. The woman shook her head and zeroed in on the wound on her forehead. I'm Detective Twyla Brown, Seattle Police. Is Nyapnu in here? The glasses on the tray clashed when Antonia's hand shook. I'll fetch her from the kitchen. Nyap was chopping jalapenos when Antonia rushed in and almost dropped the tray. There's a detective here, and she wants to talk to you. Now? Antonia gulped, nodding. Nyap washed her hands at the sink. Don't worry, I'm not going to let them deport you. What are you going to say? But Nyap was already closing the kitchen door. 
Antonia hovered by it, straining to hear what they were saying, catching only phrases and words. Welch, missing, cell phone, lawyer. Nyap opened the door and took her bag and jacket from the utility room. I told her how the lawyer Lee Welch invited me to his cabin and tried to rape me, so I pushed him into the river. I have to go with her to the station. You can't do that. I I'm telling her the truth, Antonia said, pushing the swinging kitchen door. But Niop held her in a hug. No, they'll deport you. Please, she whispered. A few hours later, Antonia paced her room, staring at her phone, waiting for texts from Niop. Her stomach grumbled and contracted painfully. When someone knocked, she rushed to open, expecting Nyop. It was Nyop and the female detective. May we come in? She asked. Antonia opened the door and they crowded into the room, standing around the bed. I told her I pushed Welch into the river, but she insisted on talking to you, Nyop said, giving Antonia warning glances. Antonia, said Detective Brown her eyes roaming around the room and staring again at the scar on her forehead. What happened? Antonia touched the scrape. I fell on the stairs. Nasty. Your hands, too. Antonia glanced at her palms, scratched and raw. Where were you Saturday afternoon? Asked the detective. I was homesick. Antonia forced herself to look at the detective so she would believe the lie. Did you know Lee Welch? Antonia and Yap looked at each other. Who? Don't bullshit me. We searched Welch's office today. Anything you want to tell me? The detective knows we're lying. Our story has too many holes. Antonia sighed. He was my lawyer. I'm the one that pushed him into the river. Yap was trying to protect me. The detective sat on the bed. I'm glad you told me. Why did Welch call your cell phone? She asked, looking at Niab. I used it to call her to pick me up. Antonia recounted her experiences with Welch while Niab grasped her hand. I didn't want to hurt him, but he forced me to have sex. Even though it meant deportation, a burden lifted from her shoulders as she let go of her secret. Turning to hug Niab, she said, Thank you. I can't let you go to jail for me. No one's going to jail, ladies. But I killed Welch, and I don't have papers. I'm not here to deport you. You have my word. The owner of the cabin reported Welch's car and stuff still there. His phone showed a call to Nyap. A crash of metal outside the basement window made them jump, startled. It's Mr. John, said Antonia. The pretty detective continued. The Miami Public Defender's Office fired Welch 12 years ago. He then practiced law in Tennessee, where several sexual harassment complaints were filed against him. My guess is he resigned quietly in exchange. That was just a few months before you met him. See? He was a perv, said Niop. This man? Detective Twyla shook her head, grimacing. He had knives, rope, and narcotics in his car. I think he planned more than a weekend with you. Trazodone. I think he put it in my wine. Yep. Everywhere he's lived, I found an increase of missing undocumented women. 
the women he represented tended to jump bail and disappear without a trace. At least, that is what he would tell the immigration court. And because they were undocumented, no one looked for them, said Antonia, shuddering. I could have been one more. Twyla put her hand on the door. Let's go down to the station to get your statements. Before Welch busted down the door, the smell smacked Antonia. A mixture of moldy oranges, spoiled fish, and rotten egg that exploded into her room. She stood up as he struck the detective on the head with a bat, making her crumple to the floor. I'm here, said Welch in a hollow voice that reminded Antonia of the hallelujah song he would play in his office. Neop grasped Antonia, shrieking. Covered in the tattered remains of his shirt and filling the doorway, Welch glared at them. He grinned, sending a shiver down Antonia's spine. I was mad when you pushed me in the river. That wasn't very nice. I could have drowned. Dropping the bat, he leaned over the detective and grabbed her gun, pointing it at them. And after all I did for your family. Neop held on so tightly, Antonia struggled to breathe. He advanced. The hair on the back of Antonia's neck rose. To think I tried to help you people. You're all a bunch of illegal cockroaches. All I asked for was a little attention. It's not as if you little whores don't enjoy it. But instead, you shoved me into the river. You're coming with me. You can't take her, Neop said, standing in front of Antonia. But Antonia stepped around Neop. I'll go with you if you let Neop go. Antonia, no, Neop cried tears falling down her cheek. We can't beat him. He's got a gun. Suddenly, Mr. John appeared behind Welch. He grasped him in a chokehold. They wrestled. Antonia lunged for her backpack. A gunshot exploded in the room, making her ears ring. Mr. John fell on the floor. A red stain spread across his lower stomach as he groaned. Mr. John, yelled Antonia. Welch pointed the gun at Antonia. Come here. Antonia approached Welch, her hand in the backpack. He wasn't human anymore. Evil oozed from him. Her fingers grasped the obsidian dagger in her bag. In a swift movement, she yanked it out and plunged it into his heart. Black blood flowed over her hand as she pulled it out, plunging and slicing him again. Die, you fucking freak. Die. He shuddered and fell, convulsing. Antonia knelt next to Mr. John. Neop, call 911. Two months later, Antonia placed a box on the bed of her dorm room. This is the last one. Neop opened the blinds. I'm glad you don't have a roommate. I plan on staying over. I always wanted to live in the dorms. Antonia shook out a bedsheet, taking stock of the last month. Detective Twyla Brown had arranged U visas for Antonia, her mother, and sister, affording them legal status. Mr. John was still recuperating in the VA. Determined to help her father return, she was saving for his coyote. The university took over her cost of attendance and even offered Neop a place in the nursing program. But Neop declined, applying to the police force instead. What's wrong? asked Neop, sitting on the bed hugging a pillow. Nothing. 
Antonia, I know you. Tell me. Antonia sat next to Niab, staring out the window while twisting a strand of hair between her fingers. I don't think I'll ever be normal again. Niab put her arm around her shoulders. I'm glad we're not normal. Antonia shook her head. What he did to me, what he made me do, it's like he ruined me. Niab kneeled in front of her friend and grasped her hands. No one can ruin you. You're too strong for that. You protected your family and killed a monster, twice. Don't become what he wanted. Antonia wiped a tear away with the back of her hand, then hugged her friend. She was right. It was time to move on. But she would keep the obsidian knife under her pillow. Detective Brown knocked on the open door. Thought I'd check out your new digs. Come in, said Antonia, taking a box off her desk chair and offering it to her. Twyla placed a pack of 48 noodle cups in her arms. Here, I survived college on these. She walked around the room and leaned to look out the window. Thanks, said Antonia, searching for a place to put it. I just needed to ask you a quick question from the night at the cabin. Nyak grimaced and Antonia nodded. Was anybody else there in the cabin or in the forest that day? No, just Welch and me. Why? Twyla turned to walk away. Nothing important. When I went back to the cabin, I found a weird cape behind the sofa. Must have been left there by the owner. Take care. Antonia shivered and looked east through her window toward the force of Snoqualmie and beyond.